0: Hello, everybody. Welcome in live Patriots Beat Podcast, the morning after the Patriots select Mac Jones as their quarterback of the future. And Alex, as soon as this trickled across the screen, I wish that we were on air together to break this one down <laughs> live because Alex Barth has been texting me since, what, October maybe uh, of last fall, uh, maybe even September, about this quarterback from Alabama and how he does all the things the Patriots like and all the things that everybody wants in New England. And, uh, here we are the day after the first round of the draft. And Alex, you were on this one from the, from the jump. So I got to give you credit. Mac I Jones can- is a New England Patriot. I'll, I'll give my thoughts. Ma- on- by the way,
1: mock draft 1.02, the day after the Super Bowl, Mac there Jones doing the Patriots first go. round. Yeah. And, I- and we, we could not have been on the stream together because uh, these U- YouTube 2 monitors for, for copyright infringement, and it, you would have just heard a lot of Leonard Skinner in Sweet Home Alabama. So <laughs> that was the case. but uh,
0: Of course, Alex was the one that jumped on the Mac Jones call and asked him about all the uh, Crimson Tide okay. on after the first like, roster. Oh, Damian Harris, you know, getting all chummy okay. with the new quarterback. Oh, like, see.
1: After like 10 people asked him about the belichick Sabin connection.
0: So, you know,
1: it's not like it was anything Fair groundbreaking, enough. you know.
0: Fair enough. So, uh, I guess, what was your initial reaction to the pick beyond the fact that you got this six sure. months ago? But, you know, just what was your initial reaction? So, my initial reaction really – and yes, I
1: had a, a – it was kind of a mixed media fan initial reaction. I just – and if you follow the show, you know this. I was just so sick of the uncertainty at quarterback when it comes to long-term. Like, I just it, – it, it was I, – I I don't know why. Maybe it's because it was just the absence of Brady. Maybe it was just tedious that having to talk about, you know – what about player X? What about player Y? What about player Z? Like, was just killing me. And whether Mac Jones works out or not, and I think it'll work out to an extent, but whether he works out or not, the car- we're, we're off the carousel. Like, for the next, I, I think we have at least two and a half years now where we don't have to talk about long-term quarterback. What are they going to do? You know, I, I think you give Mac at least two seasons, and then if he starts to struggle in year three, we can talk about it, but... There's some certainty, and I know I sound spoiled because their franchise, right? Like the Chicago Bears, they said last night, they, they've been in this quarterback carousel essentially since they were the Chicago Stalys. There, there's fans, there's reporters who just, this is all they know is the quarterback carousel. I'm ready to pull my hair out after a year of it. That being said, doesn't make me any, any less glad that we're done with it. So that was my initial reaction. I, I, I said this time and time again. Even if you love Cam, What's the five year outlook? What's the long term plan at quarterback? That was the biggest right. question to me going into the draft. I think they addressed it. I think they have a plan in place. Was it maybe the best plan that was available to them? I, I, I don't know about that, but it, it's a good plan. It's a good plan. I, you know, I think, you know, they, they have steadied the ship now between what they did in free agency and we'll kind of talk about the contrast between free agency and the draft, but I think they've studied the ship between what they did in free agency and now this pick, the uncertainty, the head spinning that was going on in New England following the Tom Brady law, loss of Tom Brady. I think that's more or less done. I think we're entering now the, the next era.
0: Yeah, I think that's a, it's a good plan, right? You have Cam Newton as the veteran quarterback on the roster for the short term. Maybe yep. he starts the full year next year. Maybe Mac Jones, like Bill Belichick said last night, Cam Newton's the starter until somebody plays better than Cam, right? So maybe Mac Jones is able to take that job sooner rather than later. But the point being is you have the veteran QB on a on a nice contract with Cam Newton, a one-year, $5.5 million deal. And now you have a rookie quarterback who you can sink your teeth into on a four-plus-one contract, obviously the one being the fifth-year option, and you have him on a cost-effective deal, team-controlled for the next four or five seasons. So the Patriots have, like you said, they have a path, right? They have a plan. And now we can really sink our teeth into this plan. Now, with all that being said, I will be the first to admit – I was Justin Fields guy. I was banging sure. the table for Justin Fields. That was what I wanted the Patriots to do. I thought he was the best quarterback that they were able to get. And that, you know, that's what how it ended up playing out. He goes 11th to the Chicago Bears. Yes, it would have taken a trade up by the Patriots and the Bears did give up a pretty good package. It's not, they didn't just get Justin Fields for nothing. A first in the future, a couple of mid-round picks. That's not nothing. So they did have to give up a little bit to get Justin Fields. I wanted Justin Fields, but with all those things being Being said, there was a lot to like about Mac Jones at Alabama from a little things sort of just detail oriented perspective. And when you turn on the tape with him, you're not going to be impressed with arm talent. You're not going to be impressed with mobility like you are with a guy like Justin Fields or Trey Lance. But what you are going to be impressed with is the little minutias of the position, right? The the head fakes, the shoulder fakes and the pump fakes in the pocket to manipulate coverage, the movement and the subtle movements that even though he's not necessarily the most mobile guy, he's an explosive guy in a in a four by four box right when you put him in that little pocket area he's very good at making those quick movements that we used to talk so much about with Tom Brady he's quick through a reads he understands coverage and and how to throw with anticipation and throw off of leverage he understands all these little nuances of playing the football uh, playing the quarterback position and in a lot of ways and I I feel like it's so dicey because you don't want to compare him to Tom Brady. You don't want to. You don't want to put that well, sure, on sure, that. So, sure. as, as somebody me. who
1: has compared Gunner to Julian Edelman, yeah,
0: yeah, here's how you
1: do that. It's the same mold. It's the same prototype. You're not right. comparing him to seven same. times yeah. Super Bowl champion Tom Brady. You're comparing him to the 199th pick out of Michigan, Tom Brady, and then people hear that and say, "Oh, it was a reach," and then because like Brady went 199. There's some things that he does at this point that are Brady then better than what Brady did at that point. You're not comparing him to modern Brady.
0: Right. And and that's the biggest thing is that on the Quarterback spectrum of Patrick Mahomes being on one side and Tom Brady being on the other side. The Patriots stuck to what, what what they know. They went to the Tom Brady side of the quarterback spectrum and they got a QB in Mac Jones who is very accurate to all three levels, understands timing, understands coverage, understands pre-snap indicators and how to protect himself with the, with pr- protections and things like that. And that's the Patriot way. That's, that's what's been successful for 20 years with Tom Brady. So sure, they could have gotten a guy like Justin Fields. They could have gotten a guy like Kellen Mond or Jamie Newman later on in the draft and tried to make it a, a different sort of offense out of it, right? But what instead what they did was they stuck with what they knew and they got their version of Tom Brady light, right? T- Tom Brady, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it. I like Tom Brady light. You know, there's a million ways you can phrase that and I actually feel like watching Cam Newton last year struggle with those, some of those things, struggle with ball placement, struggle with timing, struggle with consistent mechanics. I think that the Patriots kind of saw it and said, look, if we're going to be the offense we want to be, we need to get a quarterback that brings us back to that sort of thing. The consistency from the pocket, the accuracy from the pocket, because our offense works best when the ball's coming out on time and it's going where it's supposed to go inaccurately and, and that's exactly what mac jones brings to the table. so we can talk about all these things about justin fields. i like justin fields better. i'm not going to say i'm flip-flopping to mac jones now after wanting fields for 3 months, right? but at the same right. time you can see why they like Mac Jones. You can understand why they like Mac. A- and you heard uh, on the call that Robert Kraft had with Mac Jones, uh, he mentioned that this kid has a 4.0 GPA at Alabama. Well, and he, there's a lot of off-field stuff but just between the ears in terms of right. football, right? Not, let, let's not – hang
1: on. Not to knock Mac, and he's a smart kid. Getting 4.0 at Alabama as the quarterback of the football team,
0: that's like me saying I'm I got
1: gonna, a 4.0 in high school because my high school graded on a 6-3 scale.
0: How many favors, did, you know, how many tutors did he have? Uh, there's a, there's a, a the great SNL skit event. about it
1: with uh, uh, John Cena. Fair, enough. Want to go watch Fair enough. Not that Mac's not smart or anything. I just, I, you know, That's any the of these series. SEC schools or, you know, you're the quarterback of the big school,
0: whatever, you know. That's what you hear. You hear two things about Mac Jones and a lot of this you hear stuff I think is, is take it or leave it. But number one, you hear that he's the most accurate quarterback in this class, right? The guy that actually throws with the most consistent downfield ball placement at at all three levels. The second thing that you hear is that he's the smartest quarterback in the class. Smart, accurate. That seems to fit a lot of what the Patriots want in the quarterback. And I, I just personally feel like they decided that they just wanted to go back to their Brady they wanted to go back to Jimmy Garoppolo. They wanted to go back to that mold of quarterback.
1: Let's be glad they didn't directly go back to Jimmy Garoppolo. And that's another huge plus here. That's yeah. off the table. Yeah. But no, like, I, I think I said this at the very beginning. One of the first shows we did when we were breaking down all, you know, four quarterbacks they might have a shot at. Mac Jones is your vegetables. Like, I, I don't, I, I have no fault. I, no, I have no, I don't fault people for not, you know, jumping for joy. Like, I don't know. Just as a fan, as, as somebody who enjoys the Patriots and enjoys Alabama football, like that excites me as a fan. But like, if you don't have that tie to Alabama, right? I don't fault people for kind of sitting there saying, eh. like, but that's, they kind of just need it. You go out, you put all that talent around them. People say, oh, he played with all this talent in Alabama. What's he going to do? Well, it's not like he's playing with nothing, right? They're not putting him out there with the group they put him out there with last year. They're putting him out there with two of the best tight ends in football. They upgraded the wide receivers. We'll see what they do kind of here on day two if they add another pass catcher. Great offensive line. He just has to operate. He just has to be in net neutral. And this is a team that can win the division now. If he's just in net neutral, which he can be, and intelligence goes goes a long way in that. Like you said, Justin Fields, yeah, you can really fist bump for Justin Fields. I think people would be a lot more excited maybe about that one. But when you look at the cost... To get him, uncharacteristically aggressive ended last night. It made yeah. it right up until the draft, and then it hit a wall. I think the
0: quarterback he- in the first round is still pretty aggressive, but you're right; it's not. They could have right. traded that for Justin Fields. That would have been uncharacteristically aggressive, and they didn't do that.
1: But if if they weren't super into Fields, why bother? Right? Why do that? Then then it's not being uncharacteristically aggressive. Then it's taking a quarterback just to take a quarterback, which is what we call pulling a Trubisky. So I, you know, to me, they they just did what they had to do. TCOB, take care of business. That's what they did. They, they, again, they have that plan now. I get that people maybe aren't, you know, super excited about it, but, but look into it. This is ultimately a good thing. It's a good pick. They made the right decision. We'll see to what extent it works out. But, you know, especially when you look at, I I think some of it is the board. I, I think we were really nearing a worst case scenario.
0: And I also feel like. At what point, me, me too, and, and at what point do you have to wait? and this is something that we talked about on the stream last night, of, okay, it's Mac Jones at the quarterback position versus Kyle Trask, Kellen Mond, or Davis Mills, right? And and Doug Kydanesson put out there that he had heard that if the Jets didn't take Elijah Tucker at 14, yeah. the Patriots might have taken Elijah Tucker at 15. This is,
1: if, Jones, if Jones works out, this is the second time the Jets have pushed the Patriots into a stud QB. Let's yeah. just all remember that.
0: And Dave, and they would have taken Davis Mills in the second round. I think there's a significant difference if you're just gonna tier them together. Right. I think there's a significant difference between where Mac Jones is and where those day two guys are right Massive. now. Massive. Right. Massive. And that and that even Bill Belichick wouldn't go there. Right. He wouldn't say we didn't have Mac Jones rated you know as the 15th best prospect on our board or rated as a as a top half of the first round type of guy but he did I think what he was, you know, he didn't want to talk about those grades and stuff like that. But to me, I feel like maybe they, they felt like Mac Jones, the drop off from Mac Jones to the next group of quarterbacks was significant enough that even if they had Mac Jones as the 20th best player at that point, and they had a couple of guys rated ahead of him, it was worth doing that just so that they didn't have to go into that pool of Davis Mills, Kellen Mann and Kyle Trask.
1: Right. And I mean, like, you know, you just looked, all the guys we talked about, about maybe falling to 15, J.C. Horn goes, Micah Parsons goes. We talked yeah. about maybe one of the Bama receivers. Those guys went. It was really, to me, it was Darisal and pay. Yeah. Kind of the only two guys who trickled Z- by.
0: Zayvon Collins went 16 to Arizona. Right.
1: And Z- sure. But at that point, like, I'm thinking, okay, maybe they trade back. Like, I think, you know, we thought there'd be options at 15. I don't know how many op- Like, I, and I know Vera Tucker went to pick before. I... Yeah. Don't get that one. I
0: don't. And they drafted him. As it's a the great tackle. fit. It's a great fit in their scheme. They're going to be that outside zone, West Coast, and he's a very athletic tackle or guard, right? Maybe a place they need side. to
1: give up what they gave up to move up to 14 to get
0: him. Maybe not, but, you know, when you draft Zach Wilson and you draft the QB, you want to protect the QB. They have makai Becton. That's a building block for them on the offensive line. I think Verrett Tucker is another one. And, again, it's that Shanahan-McVay-style st- system now with New York, and that is a very outside zone-heavy scheme. So you have to have very athletic offensive linemen. And, and Verrett Tucker is a really athletic guy that can run those types of zone-blocking schemes. I want to take a second to shout out our friends at betonline.ag betonline the fastest and easiest way to be on bet on all your sports action baseball season is in full swing and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL and all your UFC, MMA action. Real time, updated odds and props on almost everything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, s- scores and odds. It's the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and take advantage of the 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code CLNS50 to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. But I also wanted to to bring the conversation uh, just quickly to the fact that, uh, of course, now I lost where I wanted to bring the conversation. Let, let, let's talk about moving on now from Mac Jones and let's talk about the next, next sort of dominoes here to fall you you started to talk about you know building the offensive line uh building a a um wide receiving core around Mac Jones and all that kind of stuff Uh where do you kind of lie on where the Patriots should go because I know it were a little bit of a disagreement in terms of oh I, w- before we get to that I remember what I was going to say okay hey. you made that comparison to me last night uh, as we were texting at three o'clock in the morning because neither of us could probably <laughs> sleep uh about, I'm on no,
1: I apologize if I keep coughing. I'm just on like no sleep right now. No, I uh, jacked up. It's true. We've been, we've been working happens. on this for months. This right. is like. Yeah, no, I mean,
0: I, I, I was done with my work around 1 a.m. And there was no possible way that I was going to like fall right asleep. So <laughs> I, yeah. was, uh, I was up for a while. And we were talking and you made the comparison to the 2019 San Francisco 49ers, right? And I think a lot right. of people are like going to hear that and they're going to say, ooh, I mean they took Jimmy Garoppolo with the fifteenth overall pick and and have some reservations. But that does kind of feel like what this team is going to be where the quarterback is not necessarily going to be the engine, but he's also not – he's going to get the job done and he's going to play a clean game for you. And that might be all they need with the roster that they have around them. That's sort of where they feel at the beginning of Mac Jones's career. Right? Let's hope that maybe he can develop into a better player than Jimmy Garoppolo in the long term. But right now it does kind of feel like that 2019 Niners or even early – Generation Patriots with Tom Brady, right? You right. know, 0-2 Patriots. Uh, that does kind of feel like we're he- where the Patriots are sort of pointing the ship right now. Is the quarterback's not going to be the engine? Uh, we're going to have other veteran leaders in the locker room, like Devin McCourty and David Andrews, and those guys to take on those veteran leadership roles. And Cam is kind of the Drew Bledsoe of this situation, right? And and now we kind of get into Mac Jones being a. a a player like a Jimmy Garoppolo that can just kind of come in and be the, 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 the point guard of the offense. Right. It's funny because Mac, in
1: some ways, and we had talked about this before too, saying like, you know, Patriots, because, because we're all just so used to Brady and Mac yeah. Jones is a little Bledsoe-esque. But if the Patriots walk away from this process with Drew Bledsoe, who let's not forget, took them to a Super Bowl, multiple Pro Bowls, like if Mac Jones has that career, if they end up with Bledsoe, they did very well right. with the 15th pick. Um but yeah, you know, I wrote about this when Brady left. I wrote about this two years ago. That this is going to be the new mode in the the new model in the NFL. I think teams are tired of trying to chase the next Patrick Mahomes and the next Aaron Rodgers. Those guys come once every five, six, seven, eight years, right? And for every Patrick Mahomes, okay, you're gonna get, you know. I used to use Josh Allen as his comp, and then he had the monster year, so I can't use him anymore, right? But, you know, for every Aaron Rodgers, you're going to get how many Jay Cutlers? Right. For every Matt Stafford, you're going to get how many Sam Bradfords? And I think teams are just kind of fed up with that. And unless you're in a spot like the Jaguars, where you're just hand-delivered a generational pick, I think the new mold is get the cheap, affordable, net-neutral quarterback and use that cap space, use your assets to just build up the rest of the roster and gung-ho from there. I think the Patriots are ahead of it, but I think that you look at you mentioned the Niners did it. I think this is what the Tennessee Titans are doing. I you know, I think to an extent this is what the Buffalo Bills were doing. Josh Allen obviously stepped up to the next level, but it's kind of what the path was for the Buffalo Bills at for for I retirement. would say
0: a degree that that 2017 Philadelphia Eagles team Carson Wentz was playing at an MVP level, but as soon as you put Nick Foles on that roster right. well, instead, y- you have that sort of kind sure. of the roster around him doing it as well. And we're talking about right now. We're not talking right. about hopefully Mac Jones in four or five years is better than a Nick Foles and better than a Jimmy Garoppolo. We're talking about for the next year or two with Mac Jones.
1: Yeah. And I'm just talking about roster construction. There's right. other rosters well. that certainly right. kind of, you know, fell into this, but. I think that's the plan that that's going to be the NFL moving forward. I think you're going to see a shift in some ways back to the run game, back to the short passing game, unless you can get that guy, unless you can get Mahomes, unless you can get Trevor Lawrence, in which case open it the hell up. Right. Why not? But I think teams are going to start. This is to me why Justin Fields fell to 11 teams are going to start taking less chances with guys who aren't automatic lock, sure things and just build up the rest of their roster and try to win that way. And There's nothing wrong with that. This is what Bill was trying to do back when he came in 2000. You look at his picks and his free agent selections before Brady really emerged. They're all running backs, offensive linemen, and defensive players. That's all he did. Seymour, Matt Light, right? He goes out. He signs Mike Vrabel. He signs Anthony Pleasant. He signs Brian Cox. Like, he was building a smash mouth, no nonsense. We're going to beat you 13-6 to football team. And he's picking right back up where he left off and there's nothing. And I got so much heat from you and the analytics community when I wrote that. You want them to run the ball? Oh, don't
0: run the ball. You want them to, you you want them. What year do you think this is? Uh, Alex, you did not take a quarterback at 15 to run the football. You don't, but but my
1: point, you take it to maybe run more of a conservative offense and that's okay because you know what? If you win every game 13 to six, you win every game at the end of the day. And look, yes, can you beat the Chiefs thirteen to six? No, you you gotta kinda figure something out there. But you that's why I can't thirteen to six either. What? Can't beat Buffalo thirteen uh, to six either. You maybe. cannot
0: beat Buffalo any maybe.
1: anymore. Maybe uh, the Chiefs can't beat thirteen to six. But all of a sudden you're you're paying Mac Jones relatively nothing compared to what you know a a net neutral quarterback should cost you. Go out and you spend that money on defense. And all of a sudden you kind of have that that piece. So That's where they're trending towards. I don't think
0: they're the only team trending in that direction, but that's where they're trending towards, and I think it's a good thing. Alex is stuck in 1970s sad. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly.
1: 1970s about to come back. Maybe not quite 1970, more like the late 1990s, but it's about to come back.
0: All right, well – that's the Mac Jones pick. I'm glad that we got to sit down and do this because uh, I needed, I needed to talk this through with, with Alex here. And uh, after months and months of talking about all these quarterbacks, the Patriots finally have their quarterback, but now we can sort of turn the page and we also are going to talk a little bit about what happened around the league last night. And I uh, will take some questions here at the end too, but we wanted to turn the page and kind of reset the board for the Patriots uh, moving forward here on day two of the NFL draft. To me, when I look at the board, and I see all the wide receiver talent, and you see that you took a quarterback at fifteen. It's hard not to get on the Elijah Moore, Rondell Moore, Amari Rogers bandwagon, and sort of uh, want the Patriots to build, continue to build around Mac, and do all these types of things. All right, and so I, I feel like that's a, a really intriguing path here to, on day two at 46 specifically is to get one of these receivers that I call space players right guys you can just get the ball in their hands yeah. and watch them run and that's sort of what Mac Jones is really uh, I would say that's the bedrock in a lot of ways of what Mac Jones did at Alabama was getting the ball to Jalen Waddle getting the ball to Devontae Smith and just letting those guys create Letting those guys be great, and he was somebody that was so good at facilitating that. Now, there's also the uh, holes that we still talked about—those two-year window type holes, right? What's going to happen on the 2022 roster? We're still looking at corner, although a lot of good corners went last night, so that that does kind of make things a little bit difficult. Eric, Eric Stokes sneaking into Eric the first Stokes round, sneaked into the first round. Uh it, We're still looking at tackle, obviously offensive tackle. I, I still think the Patriots would like to add somebody in the front seven as well, whether it's a linebacker or a player that plays on the line of scrimmage. It kind of depends on the board. But where do you want to see the Patriots going tonight and on the second round with the players that are available on the board? So I'd like to
1: see them go in, in whatever order, tackle and corner. I, I, I would like to. That being said, I think if they're on the clock at forty six, and this is gonna scare people because it's a second round safety. But if they're if they're on the clock at forty six and Trevor Merrick's there.
0: I can't believe he man. made it out of the first round. I, I really thought he would be a first rounder.
1: I mean, no safeties went. So that's kind yeah. of you know, it would be more surprising if if you know Jamar Johnson went over him, for instance. But right. if the number one safety's on the board and he's a deep safety, he he's a guy who you can talk about as a potential Devin yeah. McCourty successor, and it's not a great safety class, but the kid can play.
0: So they did not like the safety
1: class. They did not like it. And and look, I don't, I don't think he gets to 46, but although maybe, maybe they move up. They still need to consolidate picks, but if he's there at 46, that's, that's going to be a really hard no for Bill Belichick. He, he plays kind of position they like to draft. He plays a position that is sort of a position of need and he does, he plays the game the way they want it played. He's a strong, he's a deep safety, but he's a strong tackler, high IQ player, very instinctual player. Like I so, you know, I I'd like and, and the wide receivers kind of a thing too. I'm I'm fine passing on the Moors, honestly. I think that there's kind of red flags with each. I think if you can because there's been talk, I think it was Giardi right had the report about them wanting to close that gap between forty six and ninety six. Yeah. You can get up into the sixties and grab Rondale and grab sorry and grab Amari Rogers. I'd I'd honestly use forty six, get either Trevor Merriig or a tackle and then grab Amari Rogers like a little bit later. Like that, to me, if they're going to take receivers the path. But if Merrick's there at 46, I think he has to be the pick. And people won't be thrilled with it, and I understand why, but I think it would be a good pick.
0: So I, I think safety is definitely on the board as well. And we talk a lot about that Devin McCourty successor. I think there are a couple of guys. Marg is one of them. I think the issue, first of all, the safety class was, was a lousy one. The NFL didn't like the safety class. They didn't like the defensive line class. So at some point here tonight, I would say maybe even early in round two, we're going to get a run on some of the safeties, and we're going to get a run on some of the defensive linemen like Christian Barmore and Davion Nixon and some of the guys that are still on the board there. So whenever that run starts, the three guys that I would look for at the top, or obviously, Morrig. I really like Richie Grant from UCF. I think he's a great athlete and a guy yeah. that can play the deep middle for you. And I also like Javon Holland from Oregon a lot. Those those three guys, I think, can play safety for the Patriots and play the type of role that they want them to play. Holland and the, and Grant in particular, I think Morrig is a more impactful player in terms of playmaking, right? Turning the ball over and right. being a physical presence. Absolutely goes for the ball. Right. He's going to be more of that ball hawk for you. But Richie Grant, And Javon Holland are more versatile, I would say, and are guys that can play out of the slot or play in the box as man coverage defenders, or they can play the deep half or the deep third of the field in the middle of the field. So those are guys that I think you can move around a little bit more, like a Devin McCourty. And you can move them around from different spots and be able to play those different variations of defense. Now, safety, I think, is definitely on the board. Corner, I think, was on the board. Now when you look at the corner board, after a lot of the guys that went last night, it doesn't stack up really great for the patriots. uh Tyson Campbell from Georgia is the best corner still left. He's the best. Outside corner still left as well. Guys like Asante Samuel Jr. uh the the kid from Washington I'm blanking on his name right Elijah now. Elijah Molden. Yeah, Elijah Molden. Those guys are to me a little bit more nickels uh maybe slot defenders in the league. Asante Samuel Jr. might be able to play that like Z, you know, travel with inside outside type but of he's, role.
1: He's not a man corner. Like, he doesn't not,
0: have – He's more of, like, that Bills archetype of, like, maybe playing some man in some cover too. You know, like, right. that, that. that's more of his fit. I don't I, know that I, he's
1: a Patriot – like, a Patriots corner.
0: Yeah, yeah. that's I like, why Let, I let me, him me ask you, board.
1: though, because, like, one of your guys, Ambry yeah. Thomas at 96?
0: So I like Ambry Thomas a whole lot. And this is one of those drafts where if Ambry Thomas – Didn't opt-out last year. He plays for Michigan in 2020, has another good season. He's definitely a top 100 pick in this class, right? So that's, I think, uh, the question is uh, where do they feel? Where do they grade Ambry Thomas in terms of the opt-out in terms of, based off the 2019 tape? I really like him at 96, or if he's still there, we drafted him in our last mock draft at like 120, right? I I think it was. So maybe that's a a good spot for Ambry Thomas as well. But I, I think all of those things you can You can look at corner. You can look at uh, safety. Certainly, defensive back. I think is definitely on the board. The question that I I really have, though, is, I I said it. You know, at what point do you kind of look at at receiver and say, okay, you know, we have a quarterback now in Mac Jones who is not a playmaker necessarily at the position in the, in the natural talent type of aspect, right? He's not Justin Fields. He's not Cam Newton even in terms of the duality of what he can do. So at some point you have to get guys like a Johnny Smith, like a Hunter Henry, Nelson Aguilar can obviously create vertically over the top, but you have to get some of these guys that can run with the football and can get open on underneath the defense and then create with it as yak receivers. And that's, I think, going to be a big thing that the Patriots should be looking at tonight as well. And there are so many... Great ones, right? I mean, there's so many good ones that are going to go tonight from Rondell and Elijah Moore to Amari Rodgers uh, to you guys, Jalen Darden, maybe a little bit later on, or Dwayne Eskridge, who they've met with extensively in the pre-draft process as well. All of these guys are yak monsters. Just get the ball in their hands and watch them run with it. And that's something that I think the Patriots should definitely be entertaining as well. The tackle board is a little bit interesting as well. I, I was really shocked that Alex Leatherwood went as high as he did. I thought the Patriots oh, yeah. would have a chance to get him in the second round. Without Alex Leatherwood, uh, Taven Jenkins is still there. Uh, Liam Eichenberg from Notre Dame is still there. Uh, they haven't drafted a Notre Dame guy since 2007. <laughs> so I don't know if they're gonna go with another Notre Dame guy. Did they draft but, Kyle Ackle? They haven't drafted a Notre Dame guy. I looked it up and I had no No, I'm saying like twice. who
1: was it? I'm trying to think who it was.
0: I, it was a sixth round guy. It wasn't someone that I recognized as like a as like a, play, a guy that we could, uh, you know.
1: I'm, I'm looking. Uh, you said 2007.
0: Yeah, I believe it was 2007. Oh, I was unless I me. did my research incorrectly. Mike uh,
1: Richardson, defensive yeah. back. Yeah, that that one escapes even me.
0: Yeah. Two Miami
1: guys, first two
0: picks. Sorry. It's been a very long time since they've taken a Notre Dame (laughs) guy in the draft. But I do love Liam Eikenberg a lot. I think he's a sturdy, stout, big, uh, heavy-handed tackle prospect, which is exactly what we talk about with the Patriots. Uh, who else do you like though? And then, uh, maybe we can, we can pull up some of these, uh, suggestions in the chat as well. Um, you know, you can never rule out them going front seven.
1: And I think, uh, you know, we, we've, I've talked about, I really like, I think you, you kind of like too, Baron Browning. Yeah. Who's drawn kind of some of them. Sorry, I'm trying to pull my list up from last night. Uh, who's drawn some of those Jamie Collins comparisons. I mean, it's lofty, but again, like we talked about with Matt Jones, we're talking about Jamie Collins as a prospect, not Jamie Collins, the, the, the guy who just got what whatever it was, 30 million from, um, from Detroit. I like Joseph Osai for them. I think, you know, they just love those, those, those tuned up athletic yeah. dominating, Pass rushers lot and lot it, that,
0: I mean I, Joe Tyrone went last night uh, and Jalen Phillips went last night so yeah, what was up that, with the, Jason away went last night as well from Penn State uh, they, uh, Peyton so they Turner. took the guy from Houston that kind of came out of nowhere. The, the elite yeah. was really, really high on Peyton Turner. Nobody in the media had any clue who Peyton Turner was as a, in terms of first round prospect.
1: Right. Well, the, the, the Saints don't whiff on, on draft picks. So he's probably nasty. Yeah. But yeah, I like Joseph Osai for them. Like I could totally see him at 46. He's a you know, I just compared a guy to Chandler Jones he, uh, to Jamie Collins. Osai's a little Chandler Jones-ish to me where yeah. he's just like all the unteachables are there. You need to work with him and really refine his toolbox. But if you do, he's going to be a real player. And then as we get into, you know, the the later picks, I think your guy Pete Werner, yeah. is a possibility. Maybe That's they kind it. of look for that that do it all linebacker down there at 96. But I I don't defensive line. I don't know. Maybe like one again, Osai is probably like a hybrid linebacker end. Uh, I decide I've sworn off the term edge because I don't think it actually means anything. I think it's just people who are too lazy to figure out if players are defensive ends yeah. or linebackers. Um, so maybe, maybe like it a depends defensive on
0: this game, right? You're, if you're a four, three end, then you're an end. If you're a three, four outside linebacker, then you're a linebacker or you're an edge. If you want to say that you're scheme versatile, right?
1: Matt Dolph tipped me off to this. I think it's a Ponzi scheme. I think it's a scam. The term edge. I think it's just football, we also smart football all, people wanting to sound smarter.
0: We also put it in all capital letters for some reason. right? Like. like it, it, it,
1: you know, there there are positions that don't exist. That I believe should exist. I think wide yeah. receiver and slot receiver should be two different positions. I truly believe that. Um, I, I I will trade that if we start separating the two different kinds of receivers, I will give you edge. But a, a, anyway, um, yeah. So like maybe it's like a defensive end, pass rush specialist kind of guy. Uh, but you know whether it's that or whether they try to get you know that next middle linebacker, with Juwan Bentley on a one year deal and Dont'a Hightower's future seemingly year to year. You know, I, uh, I'm a big Therese Hall guy, but I don't think he's that every down, run stopping middle linebacker that they need to make their defense run. Yeah. I think he's more of kind of a, a, a third down option. So maybe they go in that direction. Nick Bolton at 46, another guy who I think could be in play. So, uh, it, we'll see what happens there, but it never rule out Bill Belichick taking, taking a, a linebacker at any point, at any point. Or,
0: or a day two safety. My well, God, well I specifically
1: in round two, yes. I say. Yeah. And again, I think he's going to look at it and, and say, you know, the best safety on the board still there in the second round. I, I think yeah. if Merrick is there, that's it. Could they make better picks? Maybe like Tevin Jenkins is kind of the same thing. Right. If Tevin Jenkins is there and I don't think he gets there, but if he's there, that's the pick to me. Yeah. I, I don't know, you know, maybe him and Merrick both get there. A bunch of teams screw things up. Then it's interesting, but there's going to be some guys who I think they might have had first round grades on who could fall to 46.
0: Uh, I, yeah, I agree. And I don't, I don't think that. Tevin Jenkins is going to be there because when you look at the, what the top of the draft did last night, was oh sorry
1: from the chat, Jock is Jock is still there too, but there's no no way he gets to so that.
0: so yeah so we can talk about Jock in a second, but just looking at the tackle market real quick, yeah. last night Cincinnati and Miami both take wide receivers in the top ten. They still need tackle help. They still need to protect their quarterbacks. So my guess is guys like Tevin Jenkins and Liam Eichenberg are probably going to go off the board pretty quickly. The teams right. like Cincinnati and Miami that are still looking for tackle help. I do want to talk about Jock because – well, like, I
1: think just just real quick with the tackles, I'm looking yeah. at the the two massive tackles in this draft, right? Spencer Brown and Stone yeah. Forsythe, right at 96. I wouldn't be surprised if they're looking at one of those guys. That right.
0: that seems to be a nice sweet spot for them. You know, I've been a big Spencer Brown guy, and then I was kind of late on the Stone Forsythe yep. train, and I I liked him a little bit more after watching some more tape of his. So both those guys are really good. The other guy I would mention quickly is Dylan Radunes from North Dakota sure. State. I think he's going to go pretty quickly tonight as well. But he's not as tall as Nate Solder. Nate Solder is like 6'7". Uh, Red Dunes is only about six four, six five. But I feel like his athleticism reminds me a lot of Nate Solder and the fact that he's basically a tight end playing tackle. Like you watch him run in the open field, and, and he's got some real wheels. And the Patriots really do like those athletic left tackle uh, prospects, especially on the left side of the formation with guys like Solder and Isaiah Wynn and, and stuff like that. They like guys that can move their feet. Now, Joke is an interesting one as well, or Jock or whatever we want to call him. Um he the the problem that you have with him is that he is Kyle Duggar, right? He's a he's a nickel, he's a slot, he's a box player. Uh where does His talent is undeniable and I'm, I'm not that surprised though that he fell out of the first round as good as he is. He's a top 32 talent in this draft, but finding a position for him to be impactful, I think is, is something that maybe is more of a second round value sort of thing in the league. So I love his talent. I think that that's the talent grab, right? You're just grabbing the best player available on the board if he's still there. But where does, uh, where does he play in the defense? Where does he, how do you fit together Joe? Kyle Duggar, um, Jalen Mills, who they just signed to a nice contract, Jonathan Jones, who plays inside. How do they fit all these guys together if he's the pick?
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. That's a good question. Maybe it's moving on from Adrian Phillips. Maybe they feel comfortable at that point. I wouldn't. I think he's a very important piece of that defense, not just right. you know schematically, but you know the communications and the locker room and all that. Uh, but we've you know kind of floated that as maybe a possibility. I've said this before. I think if you're taking a guy in the top one hundred there has to be a clear path to how he's going to impact the team within the first two years. And that, that path can't be, there isn't one. So I, you know, best, best player available is always good. And I know that, you know, you just draft the best player available a lot, yada, yada, yada. I think people confuse best player available with most talented. I think those are two different things. I think yeah. best player available is, you know, it, it, it's considering context. Who's the best pick for your football team and a guy who's not going to get on the field. Unless he's like immensely, but if he's that talented, he's going to get on the field. So, you know, I it's it's tough for me. I could see them doing it because again, I just think he's such a perfect fit that they might look at it. And you know, there's not a ton of players like him, so they may just look at it and say, "We're not going to get another chance at this guy. We have to take him, and and we'll figure it out as we go." And I think with with Mac Jones in the first round and really kind of knocking out the the big glaring need you had, you can maybe afford to do that, but. Uh, I just, you know, again, there's going to be other good players on the board at positions, you know, where where they're going to be able to make a more immediate impact that I think they can go to. I also just don't think he's on the board at 46. I think no, he's no. A, one of the first three players who are the first three I picks today. Like,
0: Jacksonville picks him at 33, right? I, I well, I
1: you know, uh Urban Meyer took a third down back. In the first round last night, so I think long snappers penciled that in a thirty three yeah. idiot uh no, I could see I mean Atlanta could use a player like him, Miami could use a player like him, Philly just lost Jalen Mills. he's sort of that similar mold, so those yeah. are those are picks three, four, and five today, yeah so.
0: Yeah, I also think Elijah Moore is going to go quickly tonight as well. And I would assume Rondell Moore is off the board very fast too. So those two wide receivers, I think there's still a lot of wide receiver talent out there. I see some people in the chat saying that uh, the wide receivers aren't as aren't as good now or there's a lot of wide receivers gone. I think there's still a ton of wide receiver talent on the board. Uh, what do they do to fill the gap? This is a good question here. Uh, they go from 46 to 96, right? Uh, they have the the some extra fourth-round picks that maybe they could package together similar to what they did last year to move back up for Dalton Keene. Uh, what do they do to bridge this gap? You mentioned Mike Giari's report a little bit earlier that they would like to bridge the gap somehow. Uh, how do you see that kind of shaking out?
1: Well, remember, so you mentioned the picks. There's still some players they could potentially move as well. Yeah, you know, maybe it's they they take a a corner at forty six and then they move J.C. Jackson, Stephon Gilmore. Maybe they take a tackle at forty six and move Isaiah Wynn. As Evan, I don't, you know, just collect yourself here. Maybe they take a running back at forty six and move Sony Michelle. I don't think that was.
0: No, that's not. Can we have the running back discussion briefly though? Because you know me, I don't want to take a running back. I running back tomorrow. Okay, but but let's just look at this honestly, okay? Okay. One of the big advantages, and this is in college football, it's a different game, uh, that's all well and good. One of the things that Mac Jones had last year was Najee Harris in the backfield with him. And when Bama play-actioned, the entire defense reacted to Najee right? like It was like all 11 dudes are coming up the field trying to tackle Najee Harris because he's Marshawn Lynch and everybody's te- petrified of him, right? So you do I think because of the player that Mac Jones is, because play action is going to be a big part of what you're going to do yep. uh, running back I think is on the table. Not at 46 I would lose my mind, but running back <laughs> at, in the third or the fourth round because they do have guys like Damian Harris I think can can be their version. They do have Sony Michelle, but I would like to see them get another running back now because they need to with the type of offense that they're going to want to be with Mac. Because with Mac, you got to stack playmakers around him in droves. Like he's got to have playmakers everywhere because he's just going to be a facilitator. So you have to be able to do that.
1: So um if they're going to go running like I'm out on running back at 46. Maybe, you know, if if Etienne or Harris fell, you know, you could right. convince me with it. But So I'm not big on either of the UNC backs, honestly. I don't know where the Javante Williams hype comes from. Like, he's fine to me. The guy I'm looking at. Michael Carter
0: is nice. He's he's a good runner.
1: Well, so if they're going to go running back today, and you mentioned getting the playmakers, right? Trey Sermon at 96 is the running back pick for me today. I have Trey Sermon as my RB3. I think Trey Sermon is a game breaker. I think he's a guy that can impact the game in a variety of different ways. I don't think... The Patriots have really had a back like him in the Bill Belichick era. Did Curtis Martin ever play for Bill here?
0: No. No. And I'm not well, saying he's, he's – He paid for assistant Bill, but not, not – Okay. Bill. So
1: I'm not saying he's Curtis Martin. Obviously, right. Curtis Martin's a Hall of Famer. But, like, they, the Patriots have always specialized their running backs, right? Okay, we have the early down back. We have the goal line back. We have the third down back. And the guys who could do a little bit of everything – they were just kind of good at everything. They weren't they were Rex Burkheads who were just solid all around depth pieces. Trey Sermon's a guy who can play 65-70% of your snaps a game as a running back. I don't know that they've had a guy who can do that. I think Sermon, that's his upside. So, if they're going to go running back here on day 3, bring me Trey Sermon at 96.
0: I like Michael Carter from UNC. That that would be my guy and so I would here's also mean thi- Gainwell and Demetrik Felton not Ooh. as pure runners, but guys, I think Gainwell in particular can be your ex head, right? I think he can run the football a little bit between the tackles more so than Felton. So I, I would like to see that as well. But yeah, I, I bring it back to Mac Jones, right? What yeah. are we going to do moving forward? to make this football team the best it possibly can be for Mac Jones, you're going to have to have a threat out of the backfield in in multiple ways because he's not going to be a threat out of the backfield to run. Right. So you're right. going to have to have a running game threat. You're going to have to have a guy that can catch the ball out of the backfield. And I think a guy like Kenneth Gainwell can at least do all of those things at a high level. I think Sermon can do some of those things as well. And hopefully they get Damian Harris a little bit more involved in the passing game too.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, and, and Max said last night, right? Him and da- Damian are basically best friends. Um, yeah.
0: And by the way, Damian kind
1: of broke the pick because he tweeted yeah. eyeballs around like the 12th, 13th pick. And I think he knew, uh, but so shout out to, to, to you know, he, he definitely
0: knew that Matt, Matt Jones said it right away. He wanted to be a Patriot. Right. And I'm sure Damian Harris had that conversation. So, with him.
1: so shout out to new Patriots insider Damian Harris. But I think that, you know, I think he's a big part of what they want to do this year. I, again, I said it before. I think there's been a plan, this team they're trying to build for the last couple of years that Bill's trying to build the smash mouth football team. And I think Damian Harris is a big part of it. And I think you're going to see him play a big role, right? They were, they were sniffing around on these, these early down backs. These early down, potentially game changing backs throughout free agency. This is the guy I think they want.
0: Okay, so let's get to some more of these questions. Asking about Adam. Well, we didn't really
1: answer the last question about moving up. I think yeah. I think they closed the gap.
0: Yeah. We got into the running back conversation. You actually got me into running backs because of the And math I didn't days, even mean
1: to. I was just doing it to piss you off. I wasn't even being serious.
0: Let's talk DT's uh this uh, question here at, talks about Davion Nixon, um, who I like a little bit as in terms of pass rush upside. Christian Barmore is still on the board. Um, the league didn't like the D line class too much. It's, that's everybody came out and said that uh, the league thought that this is one of the worst defensive line classes. Some general managers coming out and saying it's the worst defensive line class that we they've ever seen. You know what I mean? Like that—that's just crazy. So, yeah. Christian Barmore's still on the board, Nixon's still on the board, uh, Levi, uh, Maruki, I, I can't say his name. He's still on the board as well, uh, who I like a lot. Obviously Tyler Shelvin's still there and some of the more mid-round type of prospects. But I wanted to specifically talk about Christian Barmore because I think everybody, uh, in the media really thought Christian Barmore was going to be a first round pick. He's still there. I don't, I didn't love him in the first round. Now that we're talking about him in the second round, this is a different conversation, I think.
1: Yeah, it, it certainly is. I don't know in terms of replace, like it's tricky with him because he's not a nose tackle. He's not, you no, know. No, he's, he's, he's a
0: three technique.
1: Right. He, he might, but I don't know that he's big enough to play like defensive end in a three four. The, the way they, they, the way that they want those ends to set the edge, I don't know. Like, and, and the, the comp that's been thrown out there, like this is high end ceiling comp is Richard Seymour. Yeah. But like, like that's the prototype where he's a defensive tackle who's going to beat you athletically. You know, these guys are unicorns. If you're a three, four defensive tackle who can win at that size, Richard Seymour, Adam Butler, that's pretty much, uh, sorry, Richard Seymour and, um, Aaron Donald. Yeah. That's pretty much the list. So you're looking at a guy whose skill set tradi- and by the way, those guys are a dime a dozen in college, but that skill set translating to the NFL is incredibly rare. And I think that's why he fell. Now, I think Bill has a, a shot to, to, to get the most out of him. If they were a 4-3 team still, I think you lock it in. And they kind of try to do with him what they're doing with Byron Coward. But I just, I, again, we talked about kind of having that path. What's the role going to be? The role's too cloudy for me at 46 with some of the other options who will be on the board.
0: So he's not going to be – I've said it from the beginning with Christian Barmore. He is not going to be a three-down player for the Patriots right away, at least. Right. right? This is going to be somebody that's going to go right into that Adam Butler role as a pass rush specialist on the interior. He's going to eat up blockers. He's going to rush the passer with a good get-off, good length and power and upper body strength, all that kind of stuff. He does all those things really, really well. But he's a situational player for the Patriots. Now, in the first round, I would have gone crazy if they would have taken Christian yep. Barmore in the first round. Here at 46, though, I think it definitely is a little bit better because you see a role for him, even though it's situationally, you see what it would be like if they drafted Christian Barmore and just, where he could play.
1: They don't like situational players that high. They, they rarely, and so for me, right, when we, when you brought up the defensive tackles, I was going to say, I like Jalen Twyman at 4 at 96.
0: Yeah, maybe they can get one of the uh, Darius Stills. You know, there's some guys right. later on in the draft that do fit this but mold as well.
1: I even think that's a stretch for them, for a guy who's not going to be a three-down player. I think in the top 100, they want true three-down players. So I see the fit. I just – at 46 – and farmer's not going to be there at 96. At no. 46, I just – I don't know if they're going to take a guy – Who's going to play? Probably around fifty percent, maybe less.
0: Maybe less snaps for them. As, so, as a rookie, I think he's looking at 40 percent. Well, a, I even a third think third-down sub-package guy. I think projecting it out, I don't know that he gets much more above fifty. So if unless they shift back
1: to a four-three,
0: so Alabama played him as a situational player. And that's sort of where I got on this train with Christian Barmore was looking at his usage at Alabama. Nick Saban was telling us that this player was not stout enough against the run to play on first and second down for his defense. So he's certainly not if he's not stout enough for Nick Saban, he's certainly not going to be stout enough for Bill Belichick, right? They come from the same cloth. It's going to be the same sort of mindset. So he is going to be a situational player. Now the the thing is though with Barmore at 46, is the, the, he's a, a rare talent in terms of pass rush ability on the interior for that position in the draft, right? Usually the guys that can rush the passer that well from the defensive tackle position go in the first round. So you're going to get a guy that adds a lot to that room and a room that is filled with Henry Andersons and Davin Gadshaws and these players that are a little bit more run first, kind of just plug your gap and sit there. They at least would get somebody that has some upside in terms of coming off the ball and making an impact behind the line of scrimmage. So I I can, I can buy it more in terms of at 46 than certainly I would have in the, in the first round. And, uh, that, that's at least something. Uh, Warren Sapp says that Barmore is a third round talent. I I think I told you about my story about Warren Sapp and, uh, Dominique Easley. So, uh, when I was working at NFL Network, I, uh, was on a show with Warren Sapp. Um, I was a researcher on the show, and he—I I asked him. I said, "Warren, uh, you know what do you, what do you think about the Patriots' first-round pick, Dominic Easley? He goes, "Bum." I was like, Exc- "Excuse me," and he goes, "Bum." And he's like, "He's not going to play at all in the league. Kids a bum," and then just walks away. <laughs> <So> <laughs> like, I was like, "What?" All right. So if Warren Sapp says that Barmore is a third-round talent, then maybe Barmore—maybe he's right because he was right about Dominic Easley. He got that one. Uh, Look exactly on the head. If they can get Barmore at ninety six, like fine.
1: That's uh, I would it, like. He's still a very talented yeah. player. I'm not necessarily against the player so much as they, you know, you look at the history of what they do and they don't take situational players that high. So, but if they can get him at ninety six again, they do kind of need to replace that Adam Butler role. They don't have that interior pass rusher. Barmore certainly fits right. the bills. So,
0: uh, I not against not against it. the player at all. I wanted to talk about it with with some length because a lot of people were talking about Barmore as a fit in the first round for the Patriots. He makes it to day two. I, I think you gotta have this conversation. Uh a lot of there's questions. A couple are, guys like that. Like like I would count Merrick as that too. Yeah. A lot of questions about uh cornerbacks as well. I mentioned earlier on guys like Stokes, uh Greg Newsome, um obviously Sir Ken and Horn gone last night. I, I really liked a lot of the cornerback talent that went off the board. I I'm the corners that are left are guys that don't necessarily excite me a whole lot. Tyson Campbell uh, had some late first-round buzz. He's somebody that does everything well until the catch point, right? Like, he's in position all right. the time. He's got a ton of athleticism. Uh, he's a really good uh, mirror-match type of guy that can play man coverage. Georgia plays a ton of press man. He definitely fits the bill of a Patriot-type of corner in terms of stylistic fit. But then when the ball is in the air and his back is to the quarterback – he panics. He loses the football. He doesn't play the ball well at the catch point. So it's the whole thing where he does 99% of it good. And then it's the last 1% that he doesn't get done. And in that respect, it's a dicey, it's a project with Tyson yeah. Campbell to make, to fix that at the top of the, of the routes at the top in terms of the catch point.
1: Yeah. I, I, I kind of agree with you. I was hoping, you know, Stokes, maybe Newsom would be on the yeah. board here at 46 that we could talk about somebody brought it up in the chat. I like St. Juice. I don't know about 46. He's still pretty raw, but I, so I talked to a reporter from who covers the Gophers, who covers Minnesota. Minnesota, St. Juice plays college and apparently a lot of teams have been asking about playing safety. So here you have a big physical open run outside corner who can maybe play some safety as well. Better 2019 than 2020. I mean, I, I think they, there's a lot of reasons for them to really like St. Juice. Good senior bowl. Good Senior Bowl is another. That was, I mean, the big one. That's where we all found out about him. Right. I was a Michigan player at one point. He transferred, but was a Michigan player at one point. Um, You know, I'm looking at like I think 96 for him is a little bit of a reach. I think 90, I'd be comfortable in 96, but you're you, you're 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 stretching a little bit to get a good to get a player you really like who's a fit. There's nothing wrong with that, but then again, that being said, these defensive backs that Bill loves, that's the second round. So. Right. Maybe it's St. Juice, but you know, at this point, I'm fine waiting to 96, waiting to take three for St. Juice. I, I do not think, you know, I don't think the cornerback board did them any favors. I think you can look at St. Juice. You can look at Sean Wade. Uh, you can look at a guy maybe like Ambry Thomas. He maybe is 96, maybe that fourth round, but I think that there's a little more room to push it on corner.
0: So I agree. I, I, I don't love the top of the cornerback board right now. Another guy that we haven't mentioned was Afidi who from Syracuse, Obi's brother, who I think is more... He has a lot of press man traits, but he's raw and press man. I think he's a better fit in, in more zone-heavy schemes, Uh like Seattle-style cover three, I think is where Afidi who belongs, but there are some press man traits there. He is long. He is athletic on the outside. Tyson Campbell's the guy, though, that definitely feels a lot like a Patriot-type of corner project. I think we right? took
1: him in one of our mocks, didn't we?
0: Yeah, he just feels like the type of guy that they go for in the second round and, um, you know, they've gone for him in the past in terms of that size, length, athleticism. Yeah, he's got some technique things to figure out, but we'll coach him up and, and hopefully get him there in those respects. When they draft Tyson Campbell, and I – if they draft Tyson Campbell, I should say, and I give my scouting report on him, you're going to think of every bust corner the Patriots have drafted over the last two decades, right? Like You're going to think of Razai Dowling. You're going to think of Jawan Williams. Not that he's a bust already, but you know what I'm saying. You're going to think of all these guys that the Patriots have drafted these Six-foot-two, a very athletic player, uh, and all those types of things. It, no ball skills equals no go is is a good way to sort of put it with Tyson Campbell for a lot of people, right? Does 90% of the job, just can't finish the play. And, and that's definitely going to be a concern for him going in there. I mentioned uh, a lot of people asking about Asante Samuel Jr. We've talked about him a little bit, um, as well as sort of a guy that maybe is a better – slot, maybe a better zone corner. Um, I'm not sure if he's a true outside press man type of player. And, uh, we did, uh, someone else, uh, mentioning Javon Holland, um, the safety from Oregon who's a little bit of a safety slot. I, I've liked some Kelvin Jense- Joseph tape that I've seen, uh, from, he's from Kentucky. Uh, he's a strong inside outside type of corner as well. Um, has some really flashy tape that you can definitely, uh, sink your teeth into and, and get behind if they do make that sort of pick. I don't know how much Kelvin Joseph you've, uh, researched at all, Alex, but he's somebody that I think a lot of people in the draft, uh, Twitter community and media community, uh, really started to like a whole lot in, in terms of, uh, cornerback prospects, though. I think a lot of these
1: guys, you know, for me, and, and since we know that they're not being uncharacteristically aggressive and we're back to kind of the old Patriots here in the draft. Yep. Yeah. Tyson Campbell at 46. But Benjamin St. Just at 120. Yeah, Kelvin Joseph at 46, but take Allen in the fourth round. Like, I just, you know, th- there's value comps for all these corners, which is why I'm just, you know. And, and Samuel Jr., so he's a little bit different for me. One, he comes from a base zone scheme. They want their corners to play man. And this is getting a little superficial, but I, I don't think it's nothing. Asante Samuel Sr. hasn't exactly been overly complimentary. It's not nothing.
0: It's not like, nothing. He
1: he had – like, go and look at what – he still loves the Patriots, it seems like, but I'm not sure – and it does – it's ridiculous that Asante Samuel – like, Patrick Sertan Jr. in the draft, I could deal with. Samuel Jr. in the draft, even though they played at the same time, for whatever reason, Asante Samuel New England feels like yesterday. But anyway, go back and look at what he said about Belichick kind of recently, the last year or two. There, you know, there's something there. There, there, that might make it a little it might, bit difficult. Did
0: Asante Samuel Sr. say that he didn't want Junior to go to the Patriots? I feel like that might be out there as well. Maybe not directly or out in the, I mean, in the public, but like, that's sort of the feeling, right? Is that, yeah. that Sr. would probably not be too thrilled if Junior ended up as a New England Patriot.
1: Yeah, I there's, some a, a, for what I don't know what it is. I like I don't want to sound like I'm hiding something. I really don't know what it is. But for whatever reason, Asante Samuel Sr. has been very critical of Bill Belichick and yeah, Well he this,
0: had a similar he had a similar, you know, O7 Super Bowl, similar sort of story to you know, he didn't get benched like Malcolm Butler, but that did not end well. Right, right. He, he, he didn't,
1: he didn't get paid, he wanted to get paid, they didn't pay him, they franchised him. him, so maybe he, it stems he, from that. He gets
0: beat for the game winning touchdown, he drops the interception, uh, he didn't get beat for the, right. he dropped the interception. And, and though, you know, it didn't end well here for Asante Samuel, so I think he's still a little bitter about it. Uh, intern Mike is weighing in, uh, I, okay. I wanna want get his question in here. Uh, Nico Collins, we, we've loved Nico Collins a lot for the Patriots, uh, Great athletic tester, six foot four, pure outside receiver, somebody that if they're going for that true X mold uh to compete with Nikhil Harry, definitely uh an option here for New England on day two, I would say.
1: Yeah, so I I've said this before. I think if they're gonna go with that X wide receiver, whether it's Collins or uh Cornell Powell, I I, I think Collins is really the only one to me that stands out today.
0: Yeah.
1: Um but you know,
0: if you Terrace bring him Marshall, in, still there, but they, there's a lot of injury concerns about Terrace Marshall.
1: I also think he could go before they pick. Yeah. Um I, you know, if you draft one of these true X guys and then move Harry, like they were rumoredly trying to do during free agency, you get a fresh start, Nikhil Harry gets a fresh start, everybody's happy, like that to me would be the play, but I, we talked about it before, I would go and try to get that slot receiver that, you know, either a true slot or a guy in that Tyree Kill mold, whether it's Jalen Darden, whether it's Amari Rogers, somebody like that 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 that's what I'd be looking at here on for receiver
0: okay so I think college
1: is possible I mean he's a fit he's a fit with what they like, so you can't rule him out
0: yeah good at the line of scrimmage too which is what I always like to see with those contested guys uh Diami Brown from North Carolina he was not on my big board because I I he was an outside receiver he's a little stiff to me at the top of the route but certainly can fly right this is a, a true x that can get vertical down the field after they sign Nelson Aguilar, I just don't see the fit for a guy like Diami Brown. I think it's a little bit redundant to a guy like Nelson Aguilar, who's another one that wants to get vertical and take the top off the defense. So I'm not sure if the fit is there for Diami Brown, but uh, how do you like him as a prospect?
1: I honestly haven't done a ton of work on him, <laughs> if we're being it's honest.
0: A, it's a unique offense too, at North yeah. Carolina. It's uh, you know, they, they run a ton of RPOs, um, they run a ton of spread stuff. I, I don't know. I really like him as a downfield receiver. He's good. Like, I think he's going to be a good pro player. Again, I just don't know how he fits all into the Nelson Aguilar equation, right? You right. Know, and, they're the kind of redundant players to me.
1: So so this is, again, like, if you get him now, he's just going to sit behind Aguilar for two years, probably being ready. You can get somebody who's going to play a little sooner, go get Anthony Schwartz at 120, who probably needs those two years behind Aguilar, and then he kind of times out right with the plan. So this, like I said, with the corners, right? Tammy Brown, okay, but Anthony Schwartz in a little bit, and then you go out, you get, you know, Trevor Merrick, whoever any of these guys we talked about, Tevin Jenkins. Um, now you're talking a little bit more. Now you're really kind of putting the team together. So, I it, it just feels like the value isn't there for Brown with a guy like Schwartz on the board in a little bit, who we know they like, who we know they've met with.
0: All right, let's wrap up these questions on this one. I think this is kind of a good way to to sum up our feelings about tonight. Who are you picking at 46? Everybody's available that's currently available. Who's the guy that you want at that spot? We don't even need to call it 46. We can say, okay, you know, they move her up or down or whatever to make the guy work. But who's the guy that you want to come loyal with tonight?
1: Ooh, okay. So who is the guy that I would pick, that I want them to take, or who is the guy that they will take? Because I think those are Let's two see different both.
0: answers. Let's do both.
1: So I would take probably Tevin Jenkins i would I would take personally oh, okay. Tevin Jenkins, maybe if, if Jenkins off the board, Nick Bolton, those are my two guys. I think if Merrick's on the board, it's Merrick. If it's not Merrick, I think it's a corner one of the corners Tyson Campbell, whoever
0: yeah i, I if if I had to guess who they are targeting tonight, I think it's probably Tyson Campbell. He okay. just fits a lot of what they do in terms of what they like in terms of developmental prospects at cornerback on day two. That second-round corner, that Tyson Campbell is it to a T. A raw, yeah. athletic, developmental, press man corner prospect. Exactly how they want to go. If I had to pick, though, if I was picking for the Patriots, it would come down to the one of the wide receivers at the top that is still right there. Elijah Moore, Rondell Moore, Amari Rogers. G- give me one of those three guys because if you go watch Alabama's offense – I would say 20% of Mac Jones's production was off of quick hitting routes, motion routes, things out of the backfield, bring Jalen Waddle or Devontae Smith in motion and throw it to him in the flat. You know, these types of scheme plays that we see take over college in the NFL. Bama did it a ton. They, they love the, the boomerang motion. They love orbit. They love jet. They love all of it down there at Alabama. And they need a guy, in my opinion, that can do those types of things. They don't have that guy. I don't think, on the roster right now. I think in order to get Mac Jones where they want him to go, they need to give him those... Okay, it's first and ten from the twenty-five. We're going to swing Amari Rogers out on a motion, toss it to him in the flat, and get seven yards, or hopefully he breaks it up the field, and that's a drive starter, right? That's what they need, I think, from that wide receiver room because Aguilar can get over the top. Uh Bourne and Myers are kind of those, you know, good, good slot receivers with some shiftiness at the top of the route. They need somebody that can really create with the ball in their hands, especially after taking Mac Jones. So I'm going with one of the Moors or Amari Rogers. I have Elijah Moore uh, rated. Ahead of everybody that's still on the board, but I love Amari Rodgers as well. Alex, I know you wanted to do a few minutes on the Yes, yeah, so wait, one, one well. more
1: player I want to add, yep. though, because Go I ahead. didn't, I, I don't know why he's still on the board. I, I like, I knew he wasn't on the board, but I also, I knew he wasn't taken, but I also forgot. We talked about you can't rule the Patriots out for maybe a pass rusher.
0: Yeah.
1: Aziz Jalari.
0: I love, it. Be on I love the board Aziz Jalari. Shouldn't yeah.
1: be on the board at 46. No reason for him to be on the board at 46, but if he yes. is, Georgia guy, Excellent pass rusher, uh, can set the edge. That's, that's the guy I think maybe more than Merrick. That's the guy I, I really, I don't, we don't need to spend some time on it because he won't be there. But. I
0: think, I think Aziz Ojalari fell because he doesn't have that quick twitch explosiveness that you want in a first round edge guy, right? The Bucks yeah. took Joe Tyrone at 32. Joe Tyrone is shot out of a cannon when the ball is snapped, right? You can see right. that that first step explosiveness. Aziz is more of a traditional Patriot type of player in the fact that he's a little bit more, uh, I'm going to be in my positionally sound, I'm going to be in my gap, I'm going to be in my rush lane, but I'm not necessarily going to come off the ball with a whole lot of reckless abandon. And, and I think when you're drafting a guy in the first round, you want that upside. I, I know you wanted to do a couple of minutes on the rest of the league last night. Uh, what are your thoughts on how the rest of the first round shipped out?
1: So I, I thought it was interesting. I was really surprised. So just a couple takeaways. I was really surprised to see Penny Sewell fall like he did. I think, and I get it, the, the Bengals want to get weapons for Joe Burrow, and he probably pushed for Chase. They were college teammates. I get that. You just used a first overall pick on the guys coming off a torn ACL. Maybe try to keep him upright, right? Jamar Chase doesn't do you any good if Joe Burrow's not throwing him the ball. And I'd say the same for the Dolphins. They're in a division with some really good defenses. And Tua, we all know about his injury history. I, I get wanting a receiver and apparently Jalen Walda was the second overall player on their board
0: yeah. behind
1: Trevor Lawrence, but I just, I think if you have a chance to take a generational tackle, you do it. That being said, Detroit getting Sewell, I like that because you get the tackle this year. Next year you go up, you get the quarterback. That's a foundation. That's something you can build around offensively. So I think we've, we've made fun of Detroit a lot this offseason, but I think they got it. Obviously I was surprised Horn. Went before Sertan, right? I was a big right. Patrick Sertan guy. Me too. Um I wonder if maybe this is an NBA type situation where the Broncos were told by the Packers who to take. And Patrick Sertan never wears a Broncos uniform, but we'll see. Right. And then later on, yeah, some of the some of the pass rush stuff was weird to me. Uh Jalen Phillips before Quiddy Pay. We talked about Peyton Turner where he went over over Rousseau. Joe Tyron going where he did. I, I think the pass rush board didn't fall exactly like we wanted. And then Jacksonville taking Etienne. What are you doing, like Urban? You know I'm what they're not doing. College football. I know what they're doing. But what
0: are you? Trevor Lawrence said you're taking Travis Etienne. Yeah, I. That's what they did. I, I. I'm dead set on that. You know, I. I really think that Trevor Lawrence said to them, "I want Etienne. I want. I. We. He, we were, we're he, so successful together. I want the back. I, he I want needs to be
1: their Christian McCaffrey. Then he need like that he needs to be He has his that
0: role. potential. He does have. He that does. Potential.
1: But I just Urban Meyer. His, his first couple moves, he's really running this like a college program. Yeah. He's running this like it's a college team and that doesn't, ask Nick Saban. That doesn't work. You gotta kind of change what you're doing at the next level. So, uh, I, not that I ever thought Urban Meyer was going to be a success in the NFL. I've kind of pegged this as a train wreck all along, but, uh, we're, we're right on track with
0: that. So I just want to go on a little bit of a rant here about the Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddle picks because I think that I I was hoping that teams like Miami and teams like oh I I'm glad Miami wasn't smarter than this but when you draft a quarterback a rookie quarterback the most important thing and everybody gets so caught up in weapons and everybody gets so caught up in fantasy football and who's your wide receiver one and all this kind of stuff the most important thing for any young quarterback is pass protection because every single QB from Tom Brady on down struggles against pressure. Their completion percentage, their passer rating, their turnovers, everything goes up and down, right? Everything goes badly when you get under pressure. Everything
1: regresses.
0: Thank you. Everything regresses. And they sat there and they said, we're going to take two downfield receivers in Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddell when the quarterback is going to be on his back before he can even throw the ball to Jalen Waddell down the field. And we see this mistake made by teams every single year with these young quarterbacks. They pass on tackle help or they pass on a Quentin Nelson or they pass on these, you know, really generational type of p- tackle prospects or offensive line prospects. And that's what Penny Sewell is. He is that good. And they pass on these guys for these wide receivers because it's the flashy pick, it's the exciting pick for their yeah, fans. in
1: football culture, right?
0: And it's never, ever, ever the one that works out better than taking the offensive lineman. So I, I hope that Joe Burrow and Tua, and I didn't even mention. I just was talking about in terms of on-field production, being under pressure, and how you regress while you're under pressure. Both of these guys have injuries right? Tua's got right. an injury history. Joe Burrow's coming off a torn ACL and you took the wide receiver. You took the flashy pick in the top 10. It's not even well, like you, they took these guys at 20. Mean,
1: maybe it's the same thing like you said about ETN, right? They, they both went to play for college quarterbacks.
0: They did, they did, and and that, but I I have to think that if you're Brian Flores and Brian Flores came up in the Bill Belichick school, right? Brian Flores came up here in New England, and I guarantee yep. you that Bill never takes the speedy five ten, you know, one seventy five with a four three over Penny Sewell. I guarantee you that, right? And. I just can't imagine that this was Brian Flores' decision. Like, I can't imagine he was the one banging the mean. table for Jalen Waddle. I have to think that this is Tua. I have to think that this is uh, Greer in the front office. You, you said that the, you had heard that they had Jalen Waddle as the number two player on the board. I, I could see that. I, maybe they had Penny Sewell number one, <laughs> and they passed on him anyway because Tua said, "I want my guy." And Jalen Waddle. It, it's just. Crazy to me that they, we see routinely the same mistake made about prioritizing skill talent overpass protection and and it never ever works out it really doesn't and for everybody that says oh well they can get their tackle on day two or whatever they can get their wide receiver on day two also we just listed like 10 guys for the last hour of guys that they can take at wide receiver they could take Amari Rodgers they could take uh, Elijah Moore they could take uh, Terrace Marshall they could take Rondell Moore they could take Amon Ross St. Brown they we can go all the way down the list uh, and, and is the drop off from Jalen Waddle to Elijah Moore substantially as much as it is from Penny Sewell to Lee well, Mike and Burke. Forget what? that.
1: Like, with the Dolphins specifically, this doesn't apply as much to the Bengals, but the Dolphins, they had that second first round pick. They could have, Kadarius, Tony to me. Right, they, they could have had right. Sewell and Tony, which, I mean, that, 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 I, I don't, the drop off from Waddle to Tony, I don't think is as big as some people think. I really don't.
0: And we are stuck in, in this world where fantasy football, flash, selling the fan bases. Go buy your Jalen Waddle jersey. No one's going to buy a Penny Sewell jersey. That, that that's what you're you're in this world right now. We're still operating there, D- despite the fact. And I know you're not an analytics guy, Alex, but every single analytics house, pro football focus, even team analytics guys, will tell you that the most important thing for a young quarterback is keeping him upright. And Keeping it, avoiding pressure, and making sure that that guy is I don't need analytics to tell time. me that.
1: That's that's, you know, for me, twenty years of watching the game. It's it's sixty years of the game, a hundred years of the game existing. If your quarterback's on the ground, you're going to lose football games. That's I don't need math to tell me that. Nobody should need math to tell them that. It shouldn't be that hard, right? Quarterback get hit, you lose game. That's simple. <laughs> that's simple.
0: At, at, ask Patrick Mahomes. And it the only track and watch every single Tom, Bra- Tom Brady loss, right? Like every single time the Patriots lost in the playoffs with Tom Brady as the quarterback, nine times out of ten it was so, because he was under pressure all, the, all game long, right?
1: I had, a, I had a coach tell me this once and I think I was thinking about this a lot last night. If the quarterback's the most important player on the field, the only player more important than the most important player on the field, is the guy or guys making sure that the most important player on the field stays on the field.
0: Yeah, and I know yes, that it's a little
1: it's a little convoluted. I didn't say it perfectly, but you get the point. If your quarterback's the most important player, the most important thing really should be protecting him.
0: It should be protecting them, especially when you have a guy like Tua Tagovailoa, who has got a lot of concerns yeah. about injuries, and Joe Burrow coming off a torn ACL. Look, if they go and they draft one of the tackles at the top of the second round that's still on the board, they drafted Tevin Jenkins, they drafted Liam Eikenberg, then I, at least I, I can I can sleep easy knowing that they they did eventually take a tackle. But at the same point, I, I just I see this mistake time and time and time With again. And most her, years? Andrew Lux that's a, Andrew Luck's career was literally right. ruined. Because they did, they never invested in his offensive line. It's just it's just crazy to me that we continue to make this mistake. Most years, I think you know you can look at it and say, "Oh, there's a lot of value in the second round of tackle." Like
1: you know, cool, it, it makes sense. Sewell's a different like that. It's it's Sewell specifically and his potential specifically. Yeah, that makes this one stand out. Like the get We talked about the gap with the receivers. I think the he's gap. a
0: Quentin Nelson like prospect. Like right. he's a guy that can be an All Pro as a rookie.
1: So you're only going to hear his name. The only time you'll hear his name again is when the all-pro teams come out and when he's inducted in the Hall of Fame. You'll never hear his name again besides that. He's not going to get beat. He's not going to take penalties. He's just going to show up and keep the quarterback clean. That's what he's going to do. And it's just, you know, the the gap between him and the next best tackle, is Slater, Derrissal. Like, they were even talking about Sewell or Slater here, like, on the broadcast. Like, no, that's not, you know. Yeah. That. No.
0: No, it wasn't it's that not. close. All right. Yeah. Well, the, r- rant about the Dolphins and the Bengals over, especially a good the good rant. Especially the Bengals. My God. It's
1: especially the Dolphins for me because Tua like like Burrow was one injury. Tua and they don't necessarily have a receiver. The Dolphins have a ton of receivers and Tua has chronic injury problems. That to me was the spot he should have gone. I think he'd be a good pick for Cincinnati, but for Miami he was almost necessary to me.
0: Yeah, I I just I don't know. I just we continue to see things coming out. That, that, eye, the eye test passes it. The statistics pass it. That the the one thing that can ruin a day for a quarterback is pressure. It's the it's one fun. thing that can ruin any quarterback yeah. day, from Tom Brady to Patrick Mahomes to Aaron Rodgers. Just go on down the line of every single QB. You go and you watch these MVP caliber quarterbacks when they lose games. It's almost always because the O-line broke down and they had a lot of pressure in their face and they weren't able to put up points because of that. So yeah, let's, let's draft, let's draft the flashy wideouts guys. Good, good job. Good job. <laughs> Especially in the top 10. And you as you mentioned that Miami had another pick in the first round. Right. Like I
1: thought, going Sewell and then grabbing Kadarius Tony would be—I mean, that would just be brilliant if that's what they could have pulled off. But we'll see what they do now.
0: All right, so that that about does it here. Um, we will be back on the stream tonight around seven o'clock to break down uh, the Patriots picks today uh, in day two of the NFL Draft. Alex, I'm sure you got some stuff shaking for 98.5 as well. Yep. So go ahead and check out Alex's uh, 98.5 The Sports dot com. There you go, Uh, shameless plugs. And uh, we'll see you tonight, guys, and uh, thanks so so much for uh, listening and asking some questions here with us this afternoon.